Hello and welcome to another episode of the Men with the Golden Tongues. My name is Micah. I'm joined by my co-host Brad. What's up? And special guest, Jay. What's up, guys? We uh, we wanted to get another black person here because yeah. this <laughs> is the black James Bond movie. It's, this is the black, the black James the, Bond. The yeah, good lord. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of happy that you are here because I'm curious. I'm curious to get your guys's black impressions on the film because this one's kind of a double edged sword there's for some, black people. There are some parts in this movie I didn't care for. Right. Nope. <laughs> but by the same token, this also provided a lot of jobs to black actors and black stuntmen that didn't get these type of roles, basically, in the in the, like these high profile movies at that time. So we're going with the Tyler Perry defense of this movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So is this secretly the first Tyler Perry movie? Yeah. Of all time, Little Let's Die? You know what? It might have been his, uh, it might have been uh, the basis for his entire career. Uh, you know what? And you know what's you know what's the really unfortunate part about this movie in particular? They actually toned down oh from the book considerably <laughs> yeah. in, in in some of the language and some of the things that happen. Oh well, as a non avid reader, it's not a book I need to add to a list nope. of books I'll never read. So. Nope, Fleming, Ian Fleming, giant noted giant racist. <laughs> oh, good, <So>. goody <laughs> good. Now. Being as this happened this way, the the writer Tom Mankiewicz actually like he was super aware of the fact that yeah this is not going to make black people look really good. So he did he tried to do two things throughout the film. Um, first, he put in a really obnoxious white character for everyone to laugh at. <laughs> okay, which, like, which, which which we'll get to. Oh uh, yeah, but but the other thing that I think he does do really well is he does he does at least make the villains very competent. In the film, like like they have yeah, they're not really, yeah they have this really well organized network. They get they get they get one over on Bond frequently yeah. in the movie. So if, if you're gonna do it, at least do it so, and make them not look like idiots. And if you're watching this movie and you don't know who the villains are, they're <laughs> just, all the black people. Right, just look just look at this kid, Tony. Yeah. You can figure it out. Yeah, there are, there there are two non-villain black people in the entire film. Two two. Strutter and Carl Jr. are the yep. only two okay, yeah, black right. people who are not. Because I was like, guys. wait, I'm only thinking of one. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, there's two. And a whole lot of black villains. So before we get into this couple things, um, obviously this is Roger Moore's first Bond movie. <laughs> Much to Micah's chagrin, as we will find out over the next seven episodes of yeah. <laughs> the Men with the Golden Sun. I'll be back for another one. Oh, oh, no, oh that's right. You are doing uh, another am, one of these. I am doing another Moonbreaker. More, more movie. Um, you know who they originally thought about casting as Bond before they settled on Roger Moore. Like, oh like this person was given strong consideration. Who's that? Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds? Burt Reynolds. Magnum P.I.? No, that's no. Tom Selleck. <laughs> oh. You're getting your white people mixed up. <laughs> I'm getting my white people confused. He's getting his mustache white yeah, yeah, mixed up. Yeah, mustachioed white gentleman. <laughs> yeah, because Burt Burt Reynolds was uh, pretty high profile this time. I think this might have been right after Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, yeah, this is 73. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Right around there. Right. So, but they, they the producers decided against it because they wanted Bond to be tall and they wanted him to be British, especially. <laughs> yeah. Hello. So, so they decided not to do Burt Reynolds. Now, Roger Moore had originally been considered for Bond originally, like like when the movies were first being made. Oh, really? Uh, he was. He was actually Ian Fleming's choice um, on who he wanted to play Bond when they first started making hmm. them. The only reason he couldn't is because he was doing The Saint at the time. Which was oh, hugely okay. popular show over there. So he was unavailable. Another Remington Steel situation. Another, another Remington Steel situation. Um, but eventually, they finally got their man. Um, much different type of Bond uh, than Connery was, as we'll find out throughout the film. 
in terms yeah. of a couple different uh, d- d- uh, different scenes. So, you know what? I'm just gonna save it because there are some moments where I was like, "That's a little rapey." Like, That's a little rapey. <laughs> exactly. I know little, exactly what scene uh, you're yo. talking about. Go so, ahead. But there you go. Topical. So, um, as everyone knows, I'm not a huge fan of of uh, Roger Moore Bond. And that's not to say that I don't enjoy his movies. I think his movies are are they they run the gamut, right? They <laughs> they certainly do. <laughs> they are horrific, and they are great, right? And there's a lot of just like okay stuff in the middle. I think this is I think this is an okay movie. Um, it's very simple and very light on plot. Like a lot of this stuff is like chasing after chasing after chasing and action scene after action scene after action scene but that's but i don't need my spy movies to be overly you know complicated either so well in terms of well and and sorry to be fair um he would not go full roger moore until until like spy who loved me yeah this isn't even like this is this is perfectly fine this is this is adequate roger moore and i and look adequate roger moore is still bad in my book. <laughs> I just don't like. I just don't see it. I just don't see it at all. See, I I appreciate his. I appreciate what he brings to the role. I appreciate the different feel. And I think without mixing it up, I don't know if this franchise lasts as long as it does, unless you have actors that bring specific specific things to the role. So, yeah, like, right. I like I appreciate the fact that this that the these seven movies that we're going to cover here <sighs> are. Very different than the first seven that we got that we did. Good lord! So, but yeah, so listen, I I am much more of a Roger Moore apologist. Like he's not one of my top Bonds for sure. Like he's definitely down there with uh with like Dalton for me. Yeah. Ugh. But uh, but I I don't hate him quite as much as as Micah does. I I think he's a victim of bad writing more than any of the other Bonds have been. I well we'll see. I don't. For me. Moore is my first Bond, right? Like, I didn't really super get into Bond until uh, to Brosnan. Mm-hmm. Well, tail end of Dalton's, you know, storied career. <laughs> uh, and then really into Brosnan and then on from there. But, like, Roger Moore was the first real Bond movie I saw. Which was what? Ooh, I think the first... I think the first Bond movie I saw, which... Huh? It was a video kill. No, it wasn't, uh, although I love that song. Um... <laughs> No, I think it was Octopussy was okay. the first one. And um and, and so for me, like that's what Bond seems like. Like kind a clown. Of, <laughs> a clown. Yeah. <laughs> and which is why I wasn't like hardcore into Bond for a long time. Um and then Brosnan came around. I was like, all right, like I get it. And then, you know, and then again, Dalton was also like I was like, wow, Bond's really violent. <laughs> you know, and, and it was and I was like, I was into it then. But yeah, Roger Moore was a, my first Bond, and it was just kind of like, why is this like smooth acting old white man like sleeping with everybody see, he comes in contact? And with? that's interesting because most people that you talk to who grew up with Roger Moore as Bond tend to really like him. Like it's it's usually yeah, I don't hate that him. Fall outside of it, that yeah, like I don't, I really don't hate him as Bond. I think he kind of works. <laughs> You're making Mike a very angry. No, I this know. Is like, <laughs> look, this I'll is be like back saying, for Moonraker. I can't wait. <laughs> this is like saying. Boy, Adam West was my first Batman, and that's the Batman I like. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people would say that. Oh, God. I, I just, mm, I get it. Like, I do. 
Like because because people who grew up in the '60s, like Sean Connery, was their Bond, and that's right. who they like. And then everyone else likes him because he's good. <laughs> uh, whereas people who grew up in the seventies are like, Oh yeah, you know, Roger Moore, that's my bond, the goofball bond, the <laughs> fucking Caesar Romero, Adam West bond. <laughs> um, all right, let's now, let's, now get, don't get me wrong. Just before we move on. I don't think that Roger Moore is the best bond. Not, not by any stretch of the imagination. I still I think, I don't think anybody thinks that. Oh, I bet there oh, are there people that do. I think there, there are people that do. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Boy, there's there's one in every crowd. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, all right, let's get the show on the road. The um, three government agents are killed in New York, New Orleans, and in the Caribbean by a bunch of black people. So, um, so the the guy at the UN, the the British mm. guy at the UN, somehow is killed through weird ear noise. Basically, this is my favorite death in any movie ever. Your ear, <laughs> ear makes no sense. Ear dynamite, basically. Yeah. <laughs> It's that, see, what you don't understand, Brad, is that black people have, black people know of a certain frequency that will kill white people. That's true. Well, now, I, now I'm very aware having headphones on my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> you better not Brad. step out of line. Yeah, sit back, Brad. Relax yourself. Everything will work out fine. Um, the guy, like you said, the guy in the UN gets killed by earworm. Um, the guy in uh, Louisiana... Uh, gets killed via funeral march, which I actually think is like a pretty cool. Oh, very clever. Yeah, but I dug this. Some way to you, kill someone. You guys are going to have to explain to me how every black person in New Orleans is apparently in on this on this murder conspiracy that's going on. I felt like it was clearly a hired second line of murderers, <laughs> like a classic <laughs> New Orleans second line uh, of murderers, and. Not only are they not on, not only are they good at murdering, but they are experts at stabbing someone and leaving not a trace of blood. Yes, that anything. too. Absolutely, they were amazing. <laughs> they were my favorite. I I do like the trick with the coffin. I also I also like that they use this to establish this method of killing so that you don't have to see the whole scene again later. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. And the so. last person is um, a guy in uh, the Caribbean. What is it, San Monique? Uh, yes, the, and, the fictional island nation of San Monique. Uh, and he is tied up to a post, and Kel from Keenan and Kel... And he has a, a dog on his head. Like Dude. a skinny <laughs> dog on his head. No, 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 he does not. He, what he has... Is a fucking carnival, like stuffed animal head <laughs> on its head. It looks ridiculous. I was like, they didn't even get like a taxidermied like goat head or whatever the fuck it was. It was just a straight up stuffed animal. Like it's a straight up stuffed animal. Like that, I, that I got just, from hitting three rings in a, on a bottle in a carnival. Right. I was like, come on, man. <laughs> My god damn, that shit was ridiculous. 
and he kills the other guy via via snake to the neck. There was a uh, there was a funny funny thing with the scene. So the dude that was handling the snake, obviously they switched between a real and fake one during the scene. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. <laughs> um, but the dude that was holding the snake, like that was handling, it, was like deathly afraid of of the snake. So and at one point the snake, I guess, sensed the fear and bit him. So he he goes booking it. In the other direction, everyone on the set's going like to check on him. Meanwhile, he drops the snake on the ground, and the actor that was tied up to the post is still tied up. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Until the last minute that someone comes along. Now, what what are we missing from this uh, opening teaser sequence, guys? The racism? Oh, wait, no, we're definitely not missing that. Yeah. Yeah, the, ra- the racism's there, but we're missing kind of a, what's an important part of these pre-credit sequences. The actual pre-credit moment, the song, the where's, fucking... Where's James Bond? Oh, fuck it. James Bond is nowhere to be found in this yeah, entire you don't need credit sequence. He's overrated <laughs> for this entire... His series, I guess. Well, I just what, felt this this entire movie doesn't feel like any other James Bond movie. There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of reasons for that, actually. But you are, you are correct about that. It definitely feels very different. I mean, it's a black exploitation movie. Oh, yes. Uh, Purposefully so. Point. Yeah, yeah no, purposefully so. I mean, it's so much of a black exploitation movie that this movie could have been done on black on black cinema. Like, I'm not even kidding. I was uh, like, I texted Mike and you, I was like, we can do this. Yeah, I was. I, I gave half a thought to actually suggesting that <laughs> like, to you guys. I mean, it fucking is. Because that way I can get on an episode. <laughs> no, that still doesn't work. <laughs> nice try. Many, many white people have tried. Many have failed. It's just, it it really doesn't feel that way. No, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It just it just doesn't feel like right. a Bond movie. So but we but we were establishing um, that apparently voodoo is bad in this pre-credit sequence, and all black people practice it. Oh, according totally. to this movie, I, that's not even according to this movie. That's just a fact. <laughs> guys, we do. They made a goddamn superhero because of it. Fucking brother voodoo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Based on what? I have no idea. So after we see those three agents get killed, we just jump right into uh, the title credits and the theme song. to say live and let live no you didn't no you didn't no you didn't but if this ever-changing world in which we live in makes you So I like I like the titles. Um, I think the imagery is really well done. It's one of Bender's better ones, I think for sure. Song, however. So Live and Let Die is considered by most to be probably the best the best Bond song. Most if you if you probably did like a family feud feud poll, that would probably be your number one answer. Either that or View to a Kill would probably be those are one and two. Those are two of my favorites, mm-hmm. and I think it's because they are squarely seventies, eighties style songs. Right, right. So they're not just like loud ballads, you know. I I think though that while this, I think it's a better. I think Live and Let Die is a better song than it is a Bond song. 
I'll give you that. If that makes sense. I'll give you that. Yeah, but, because this is nothing but it's what one verse mm. and and repeated and the chorus, right? Like there's well, nothing and, more to and, it. And right? it's also got the weird, completely out of place, like reggae bridge in the middle. Yeah. Like after the first chorus. So there's a funny story about this one. So they were um they were trying to figure out the song, what the song was gonna be, and Harry Saltzman was talking to George Martin. So George Martin's like, well, I'll go ahead and, and, and write it with, you know, Paul McCartney and, and we'll record a demo and we'll let you check it out. So they record the full demo and it has every like it's got the string section. It's got everything in it. And they bring it to Harry Saltzman and he listens to it. He's like, all right, it's a great song. Who are we going to get to record it now? And George Martin was like, well, I I kind of figured I, I don't think Paul's going to let us do it unless Paul performs it. Yeah. And hello. Harry Saltzman's response was, who is Paul McCartney? wow that is sad and ridiculous yes so so obviously they they explained guy hamilton explained to him that uh that yeah paul mccartney's gonna do this (laughs) (laughs) if you want this fucking song right the guy from the beatles is probably gonna do it and then they actually got george martin to write the entire score for the film as well which is the Hmm. first time that they've gone outside of john barry for any of these films interesting but yeah, so like, but like I said, I, I think the song is is very overrated in terms of Bond songs. Like, I I love the I like the chorus, but everything else doesn't seem like it fits very well. Here, here's my here's my thing about that song. It's one of the few Bond songs mm-hmm. that I can think of that people listen to outside of knowing it's a Bond song. Right, and and this was the most successful commercial song too. This was the only, this was um the fr- it was the first time that it ever cracked the Billboard top 10. It made it all the way up to number 2 in so, the US. I so. mean, look, it's a damn good song. Right. Like but I think you're right. Like is it a good Bond song? Uh, probably not, mm-hmm. but maybe like to its credit, maybe that's why it was successful. It's not like I don't know, like the other Bond songs are like I realize that it's always tied to the title of the movie, mm-hmm. but they are so hard tied in the lyrics. It's like it's a moonraker, James Bond in space. You know, like, I'm not gonna listen to this like as I'm just driving. But live and let die. Like you can just listen to that song and never realize that it's it's tied oh, sure. to the movie. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think that's probably the and the and view to a kill is the same way too. Like even though even though that one I think sounds more like a Bond theme. Really? I do, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I, I it, think it, so. It, I think you can still listen to that song and not realize that it's from a Bond movie. Dude, Duran Duran is a shit song. Like, it is. I You're right I, about that. I love that song. That is, that's probably my favorite Bond song, but I'm also an incredibly huge fan of the 80s, like 80s music in general. But like that song, like to me still, I don't have the connection of, I heard of You to a Kill way before I saw that movie. Mm-hmm. Thank God. But like <laughs> way before. So yeah. So after the uh, after the uh, titles, we uh, cut to James in bed with a young woman. Here's one of my problems with Roger Moore, right? Mm -hmm. I don't care how old he is. He always looks like someone's dad. (laughs) Even in this film, really? You think so? Yeah, man. Like, and he's always whenever he's with a chick, like he always looks like he's like that chick's uncle. (laughs) <laughs> like I don't, I don't know, man. You know, like, you just, know what, I don't know. There's you know what I hate him. about? He just, he's always looked kind of old to me. You know what I hate about Rogers Moore Bond? 
I hate the fact. I hate. I hate it anytime Bond has a digital watch. It just doesn't yeah, seem it doesn't, right to me. It doesn't. Does he have yeah. a digital watch? In, in, in this scene, he does. He he has a pulsar, which was which was quite the rage at the time. The time oh, computer. God. Um. He was switched. He was switched to the Rolex later on in the film. Um, Not an actually, he would get an like, Omega. I thought he he normally was Omega. No, uh, Pierce Brosnan was the one that started wearing Omegas. Omega watches. Everyone oh. else wore wore a Rolex before that. He gets the Rolex in like the next scene. Um, but I I hate it when he has a digital watch. And there were other movies where more would carry a digital watch through the entire film. It just seems unbond to have to have a fucking watch that I could go out and buy for a hundred bucks. Right. Yeah. It should it should be it should be a watch I could never afford. Right. Exactly yeah. correct. Yeah. I mean, look, anybody that's got like a digital watch, like that style of digital watch, like a Kmart brand style of Timex digital watch, like that's not <laughs> that's not only like unbondish, like that's very Rube esque, right? Rube. Like you're a Rube. Uh, you, you don't. You, you know what else is very unbondish? Uh, the completely dated decor of his flat that we it, see in this. Scene. It's like leftovers from uh, Sean Connery's Bond. I'm like, yeah, it's like an old man lives. There. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you contrast to so like like you have his living room, which is like wood paneling everywhere, and he's got like. Like a portrait of fucking Queen Victoria or whoever the hell that is hanging above his fireplace for some reason. And then you go into his kitchen, and the kitchen is so like 70s kitschy that I can't yeah. I can't even handle it. There's 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 you know like the polka dots everywhere and it's a little it's a little over the top. Like oh, it's I mean, quite over the, the top. The wallpaper looks like there are 45s all over the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love these. So so M is calling on Bond in this scene, um, and Bond has to stash his Italian agent, uh, lady friend. Yeah, <laughs> um, I love how M completely undersells the very fancy espresso machine that Bond has. Look, that <laughs> shit was hilarious. One because I, I I appreciated the time it took to make the coffee, but M's like, is that all it does? <laughs> you dude she was like nine thousand dollars right, back then right that was just hilarious he's like oh like hey there's an emergency and three people have died hold on a second let me hand press this coffee <laughs> fuck you dude come on sitting there for five minutes <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like uh, all right all right uh, i think i think bernard lee was annoyed with roger moore as much as i am <laughs> <laughs> he hates him on the first take like oh, <laughs> this guy's the worst so M uh, lets Bond know the situation and tells him that he's got to go to New York to investigate uh, after a little game of cat and mouse with uh, Money Penny uh, helping conceal the Italian agent that Bond is um, is uh, having sex with. Um, but see now, now this, like this scene is a prime example of a scene that you can never do with Sean Connery. Why is that? Just be like, like I can't like, like because there's expressions like Roger Moore, like when they walk back out in the living room and and his door is wide open and he's like and like he does like the oh shit look over there and realize yeah. that she's gone and can't figure out where she like the comedy aspects. Yeah, Connery could not could not function. I would agree. Role, I like they're they're and I don't even know if they're comedy aspects. They're just kind of those, not even comedy beats. They're just kind of like, like little. Goofy. I I don't even think they're bad. It's just like. There's a little less 
with more, there's a little less like super slick, super suave, and there's like he's kind of like a regular guy. Yeah. It, like he's still more concerned, even more than um, Connery goes. He's more concerned about getting laid than anything else. <laughs> anything else, like those, these entire seven movies that you're gonna do are completely led by Roger Moore's dick. Like they seriously are <laughs> over a, any sort of international intrigue. It's like, how's Roger Moore gonna fuck these chicks? Like that's right. that's what it feels like. And he's kind of like, oops, oh shit, I gotta <laughs> cover up. And it's like, dude, someone got killed. Like ah, it doesn't matter. And and. <laughs> And Micah, what else are we notably missing from the scene where where this person would usually be showing up right now? Yeah, there's no cue in this uh, uh, in this movie. Yep, no cue at all. Probably a good. Uh, probably I read a good somewhere thing. that um, <laughs> that they kind of wanted to steer clear of too many gadgets, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine, right? I you know gadgets don't make a James Bond movie, but he does have a gadget. Uh, he has a pretty significant gadget. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, come on, man. A pretty, a pretty significant gadget with some reverse engineering later in the film that just it just does something that they don't set up that it does. So, <laughs> but we'll get there. Interesting. Yep. So uh, Bond is like, all right, uh, I'm going to go fly to New York, and we get uh, we get a transition shot where we see a tarot card reader uh, predicting that Bond is coming with. With her 007 themed tarot card. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like, um, no. Like, wow, those are convenient. Where did you buy those? The James Bond store? Like- I mean, I mean, if you're, I mean, it, like Bond movies are famous for having product placement, but you at least got to keep it grounded in realism. <laughs> that shit was hilarious. Because I, I, I was very confused by that. I was like, what? Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. Like, I didn't notice them at first. But then, like later on, it's like, are those James? Yeah, like, they they right, they licensed these tarot cards for this film as a product tie-in. Really? Yes, wow. and they had to, and so they had to show to the movie, even though having them in there makes, makes absolutely makes no, zero no sense. sense. <laughs> Good lord! Uh, Bond gets to the airport, and he is driven to meet uh, Felix Leiter, the uh, well-known CIA uh, contact. Um, but his driver is shot. I think Mr. Whisper. It was. Yeah. And, and I, I, this is pretty inventive. They have a, they have like a yeah. dart gun built into the side mirror. Yeah. This is cool. The Cadillac they're driving basically. There are a lot of good ideas in this movie. I just wish they weren't wasted on this James Bond. <laughs> 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 so they, they actually did block off, um, the FDR for sections at a time to film this chase basically yeah i can imagine yeah i mean what was cool about the chase was it was practical and Mm -hmm. it wasn't done like james bond you know like clearly not really roger moore clearly not in the car it's like with like a moving scene behind and i I actually kind of appreciated that because it was a neat it was a very well done scene like i I totally dug it i'd have been scared shitless (laughs) if if that happened to me um (laughs) This, but, this would not be the last time that Roger Moore enters a vehicle being driven by somebody else that then the, the pilot of said vehicle somehow gets killed <laughs> and he has to navigate his way yeah, <laughs> through this. <laughs> so we cut to uh, Felix in a hotel and he's monitoring uh, Kananga's movements. Kananga is, uh, I forget what Kananga's cover is. He is the UN like representative for San Monique, basically. He's a, pol- he's a politician, okay. essentially. Uh, he is monitoring Kananga's movements uh, and calls for 
James calls him, right? Because he's like, hey, I've been, you know, I'm, I, I crashed. Something happened. So Felix calls for a trace on a, quote, <laughs> white pimp mobile. <laughs> right. Get get me a make on a white pimp mobile is like, the exact line. Is that a... Is that a Direct quote? Like that's is that's that not the, is that the brand? Yeah, like, <laughs> that's that's the official police. That's the official police code. Like white pit mobile. I I burst out laughing when they said that. I was like, wow. Okay, so this is 1973. Then okay, yes, we get it. Absolutely. Oh Jesus. Um, the, the this, this by the way, the, these these subsequent scenes that are coming up are easily both the best and worst dialogue in the entire film simultaneously. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> So we get a quick scene of um, of uh, Kananga and uh, the tarot card reader Solitaire and Kananga's uh, buddies, and they all change clothes. I guess that'll fool whoever's watching, right? I guess, yeah. Just to well, I, I think that's more so that as they're driving out and leaving, that people don't look in and be like, "Oh, look, it's that guy Kananga from San Monique." Like if they're dressed in all these different threads, I guess supposedly they're. Right, harder and, to spot. As if anyone from the United States knows right. what they look like. Oh, San that's the guy. That's the guy from the UN. <laughs> like what? They're not celebrities. Like okay, right. And as if anyone would. Yeah, no one would spot them in bright red suits with uh, leopard print capes. Yeah. <laughs> well, in 1970s, maybe not. Right. <laughs> they actually fucking well, just yeah, blend, right. They I just blend <laughs> right in. Like oh, I don't know. Was that guy run a convenience store? Who cares? Like. <laughs> Very odd. Three black guys and a white woman. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I take it back. Um, so the trace comes through and Bond investigates. Uh, he goes to this uh, like little voodoo shop or whatever. The, the occult voodoo shop. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he looks around and he finds some suspicious people. And uh, I'm skipping like a lot of like him just wandering around like mm, black people stuff. Yeah, I mean, there, I, there's I a like, lot of that. Well, and I, I like he picks up this like long like stuffed snake right. to give to the girl to, to distract her so he can sneak into the back. And she goes to wrap it, and he's like, "Oh, can you wrap it lengthwise?" Like, what does that even mean? What does that well, even mean? I, I, okay, so I couldn't help but laugh at that scene because one, I assume that it would take longer to wrap lengthwise. Yes, yeah, right. But at the same time, I think it was kind of like a dick. Kind of a comment, like, yeah. it's, you know, it's long lengthwise. Like, oh, all, right. Like, <laughs> all right, all right, Jim, <laughs> like, take it easy. Uh, you know, I'm not black, but, you know, uh, I could be. Like, no, stop, don't do that. So wrap it lengthwise, vertical or horizontal? Like, I guess vertical. I guess that's what he meant is, is like, vertically. Like, but how else would you wrap it? Right, like, that's what I'm saying. You like, would be right. folding it in half and like duct taping it. <laughs> that's like, why the line makes no sense. God damn it! <laughs> this fucking movie. There, there, there's another line that Bond has later in the film that's actually really clever, but it doesn't make sense in the context of what he how he's saying it. Oh, so, oh, goody. Yeah. So many of those. <laughs> there is. There really is. So Kananga and crew um, escape via a secret hatch. Um, we get a quick intro of uh, one of my favorite Bond goons, Teehee. Yes. Um, you to do with the hand? Yes, he is. Yeah. And um, Bond finds the white pimp mobile and uh, uh, he starts to he starts to like fiddle around with it, but he has to duck because 
the goons are coming down. So he sees them leave. So he hails a taxi and he starts to track them. Um, he tracks them to the filet au soul restaurant. Yeah. So, so real, so real quick before that we before we get name. to the, which is actually a chain of restaurants or was at is least it back then? Yeah, it was. Holy shit! Um, so oh, first Lord. of all, you have the black cab driver who Bond hails and gives him a gives him basically. I'm giving you this, I'm, I'm giving you the fucking stink eye for all white people, Brad. Uh, <laughs> so he so he tells the guy to follow the cars. It's going into. Harlem and you know the cab driver's like you sure man and he's like there's an extra 20 in it for you if you do and the cab driver says for an extra 20 bucks I will take you to a Ku Klux Klan barbecue <laughs> <laughs> that shit was fucking ridiculous and then later uh as and so basically like so this network of of spies essentially that they have set up throughout the Harlem is straight from the novel that, that's something that they did in the film where they had people that were just like regular people that were tracking the cars that went along well, I mean, were they regular people? I just thought they were a part of, uh, of Kananga's well, network. All black people are part of Kananga's network. Apparently, oh, normal. that's that's, that's the true. point they're trying to make for you. Oh, so. okay, not just those selected. All black. Yes. People. Okay, that's look. It's valid. I mean, I'll check at the next monthly meeting we have. Like the, oh, the black. Cool. Well, let me know. Let, yeah. me, let me know. Uh, uh, I'll report back. Let me know. Kananga's still Kananga's still uh, running the show. He is over every there. single one of them except for two are all connected. <laughs> That's right. It's so weird. Even man. a fucking black shoe shine boy has a phone <laughs> in, his, in a fucking box. I was like, "Come on, man!" And then, uh, and then Strutter comments, um, who we don't know is Strutter yet. We 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 assume that this gentleman is part of the network as well because mm-hmm. you keep seeing scenes cut to the people on different radios. It's like following a cue ball. Yes, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> As Bond goes through Harlem, that sh- uh, come on, like man. I said, the best simultaneously best and worst dialogue in the entire film, pretty much. Good <laughs> lord! So they get to the Filet of Soul restaurant. <laughs> that fucking name, come on! And uh, Bond goes in, and he is quickly uh, swept away um, into a secret room. There's, there's a lot of good shit in that scene too, by the way. So I don't know if you guys noticed when he goes in, he orders a a bourbon neat. Um, and he has to clarify that that means no ice, to which the bartender replies, that'll be extra. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> which is cool. And then as he's getting ready, to, he's trying to get the waiter to give him information. And so he hands the waiter the 20, and the waiter literally takes the 20 from his hands as the revolving ball. <laughs> and, then he, and then he starts drinking the bourbon himself. Yeah. It's fantastic. I, I did like that. Like, thanks. Look, let me tell you something. That's the blackest thing in this movie. <laughs> That shit was fucking true, dude. Like, that's the most accurate thing in this movie. But like I said, that and dude? all that stuff was on was on purpose by Mankiewicz because like I said, that's the kind of stuff that he was doing to kind of make Bond look like the fool, essentially. That's funny. as he was going through. <laughs> that's hilarious. So the wall spins around, and uh, we meet a bunch of uh, meet a bunch of dudes, and Bond finally meets Solitaire, the tarot card reader, and uh, he meets Mister Big. Now. We'll find out a little more about Mr. Big later. We will. But Mr. Big, look, if you couldn't tell at the first sight of Mr. Big that, that it was that's, somebody that's, in disguise. Some, yeah. Like, you need to get your eyes checked. Black Queen on the Red King, Miss. Solitaire. My name's Bond. James Bond. 
I know who you are, what you are, and why you have come. You have made a mistake. You will not succeed. Rather a sweeping statement, considering we've never met. Cards have followed you for me. Now you get ripped off in Detroit, baby. You yell out to me. You hear? Is he armed? Can't be too careful in New York City these days. <laughs> Funny how the least little thing amuses him. Clean it up, or I'm coming out there and clean you up, and I mean that. Is this the stupid mother that tails you uptown? There seems to be some mistake. My name is James. Is for tombstones, baby. Y'all take this honky out and waste him now. So, a couple things about this scene as well. So, so Julius Harris is the actor that plays Teehee. Um, once they cast him, they actually let him choose what his weapon of choice would be so he's the one that came up with the hook ah that's hook cool hand. um and which he makes use of immediately as he takes bonds walther and basically bends it in half yeah before just it back to show to you like hey and Bye. then for um for solitaire um obviously they cast jane seymour for the film who, who mm-hmm. looks lovely in this um do you know who they wanted who mankowitz wanted specifically for Ooh. the role he wanted diana ross Really? Yes, because huh. he he wanted to have a black female lead. Because if you're going to have all these black actors, why wouldn't you have a female lead? Yeah, black as well. Uh, but the the producers wanted to keep the wanted to keep that character accurate to the to the book. Yeah, and she's white that, in the book, so that's the reason. <laughs> 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 Mister Big comes out. Uh, so, well, Bond flirts with Solitaire for a little bit, and then Mister Big comes out, and he's just like, "Take this honky out back and shoot him." And I love, get rid I, love of him. I love his line here. I love it. So he goes. He is. Uh, he's taken out back, and this is. I mean, look, I, this is a trope in all movies, right? So I'm not upset by it, but I'm still slightly annoyed by it, right? Instead of just taking him out back and shooting him. Mm. Like they gotta walk them to different places. They oh, gotta do this. They gotta do like they have that. This happens a number of times in this movie. Like, this movie could have been over eighteen times <laughs> as much as James Bond has been captured if they just kill the guy and then maybe have to exert a little strength to carry his body and dispose of it <laughs> instead of having him walk to where they want him to die. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm telling you, when I if I ever become a supervillain. Like, I'm not going to just walk around with the person I want to kill. They're going to be dead. And I'll just hire someone to pick up my garbage. <laughs> and that's how you'll get busted, because you'll forget to pay that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Bond is taken out back. Uh, he is able to overpower his captors. And uh, there we meet CIA agent Harold Strutter. Uh, he makes contact with Bond and puts him in touch with Felix. On so, on a genuine Felix lighter. Oh yes. boy. 
So uh, Bond tells Felix to get him to the next available flight to Kananga's last known location, which uh, was uh, San Monique. The, uh, Felix was able to find out that his plane was going back to San Monique. Uh, in San Monique, we get a quick introduction of uh, Baron Samadhi, played by uh, the wonderful Jeffrey Holder. Yes. Known freak. <laughs> like he just is, dude. He always is. God known, bless that guy. Known freak. Um, uh, did all the choreography for the film. I can believe that. Um, also directed The Wiz. I didn't know that. Really? Apparently. That, you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. Not, that's actually not a shock at all. No, so, so they went back to Jamaica for, I think this is the third Bond movie that films in Jamaica hmm, in some way, shape, or form. Or no, actually, se- the uh, second one. Second one, the, uh, the Thunderballs in Nassau. So they actually had, um, they did a live reading, like a real one, and filmed it for Roger Moore on set with like a real witch doctor. Um, so basically he told Roger Moore that he was going to have a son, which was conceived while they were in Jamaica. Apparently. Wait, did that actually happen? Yeah, that actually happened. Holy shit. And then he also told him that he would become a great humanitarian. And if you guys know anything about Roger Moore, he was, he was the goodwill ambassador for UNICEF for years after this film. Really? Yes. So. Oh, all right then. So maybe there's something I, I noticed to the witch doctor didn't tell him that he was going to be a great James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're Damn. not they're not in the business of lying. <laughs> Look, if you're a Roger Moore fan, suck it up because you got seven more movies of this. <laughs> and it's all in good fun. Um, yes, fun. Yeah, plus, fun I, don't even, I don't even hate some of these movies. You, you'll know the movies I hate. I'll be back for one of them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So Bond checks into a hotel and uh, he finds out that Mrs. Bond has checked in already. And he's like, what? I don't know no Mrs. Bond. And um, so he goes to his hotel. Nobody's there. He takes a bath and has a shave, which I don't shave with like shaving cream or anything like that. But you don't have to be in a bathtub to do that, do you? You don't have to be. A lot of guys do that, though. That's like a normal. Really? Thing. Yeah. If you're, if you're I bathing, I don't sit. I don't take. I don't take. I don't take baths. baths. Yeah, that's disgusting. No, no you're <laughs> sitting in your own filth. It's disgusting. Right. Right. Wait. You said you don't shave with a um, with shaving cream. What do you use? Just clippers. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because you see, when you if, next time you look at my hairline, you you well, one, my hairline's fucked up as it is, but I have uh, what was going to be a keloid there. Um, and that was from a razor shave that uh, a barber gave me. But I think he had a dirty blade. Well, and, some, uh, some, I mean, you're black, so some, some black people just keloid. I mean, that's just a natural thing. Yeah, and my, fa- my what, father... What is, I don't even know what that is. That's how white you are, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, well, welcome to blackness on this episode of <laughs> with the Golden Star. So, like, if you, if you see, like, uh, black dudes with... Um, you ever seen, like, a brand... Yeah, sure. And you know how it like bubbles up? Yeah, That's yeah. a keloid. Okay. So some people get that. Uh, it's common with black people. Seeing their hair a lot too. Yeah, like it'll just like a cut will just turn into a keloid. Okay. I don't know what causes it though. Hmm. Interesting. So I don't, but I think I got it from that razor shave. So I just don't use razors. I don't get razor shaves anymore. Hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Plus, Roger Moore shaves with a blade, and I don't want to be like him. So <laughs> That's a better answer. <laughs> so he's sitting in the bathtub uh, having a shave, and a, a snake is placed in his air vent. Um, I don't know why people just don't use guns in Thank Jamaica you. or San Monique or anywhere else for that matter. If you really want to kill somebody, yeah, a snake is a very unreliable weapon of, uh, much, of death. much, much like much like a tarantula is in a giant hotel room. But we've seen this before already. So, right. so he uh, he kills the snake via cigar and aftershave, and this, and no, he, no, 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 <laughs> this made no sense at all. Like at least make it hairspray or something like that. Like yeah, it wasn't an aerosol can of aftershave, right? Like it was. It was an aerosol can, though. It was an aper- aerosol yeah, can, absolutely. But no one uses an no aerosol, use, right? No one for uses aftershave. aerosol. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I didn't know they made aerosol aftershave. Apparently, maybe, back in 1973, they may, did. maybe they <laughs> maybe they stopped as there many people lit themselves on fire. Right, right. It's like whoa. Guess what I just saw? James Bond do. I'm going to try it and then just blow their hands up. <laughs> um, Have so you guys ever done that, by the snake. way? What, like sprayed, sprayed a flame to create like a flamethrower? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Who hasn't? Yeah, I was just wondering because right. I'm an idiot kid. I was an idiot kid. I definitely <laughs> did that. The shit was awesome. You guys try to light farts on fire? No, I've no. never done that no, one before. No, Steve-o. It sounds, it sounds, <laughs> like, it sounds, it sounds like a Micah type of thing there. We we did that in the Boy Scouts. We... um. Well, they did that in the Boy Scouts. They they tried he to light that, their fucking like, He did that shit. <laughs> don't, don't try to don't try to fucking get away from it. Get out of here. <laughs> wow, it is an aerosol can. Okay, so all right, I just didn't know they made aerosol aerosol aftershave. Um, he kills a snake and he meets Mrs. Bond, aka uh, Rosie Carver, a CIA double agent. Uh, aka the most the dumbest woman to ever be right. in a Bond movie. Right. Yeah. So so yeah. let me let me let me ask you guys a quick question, even though part of this is we're skipping ahead to a future movie. What's less believable? <laughs> Rosie Carver as a CIA agent or Denise Richards as a nuclear physicist? I thought you were gonna Ooh. say Holly Berry, but okay. Uh <laughs> they're both ridiculous. Right. <laughs> yeah, like this is this is uh I can't, I hate this character. I do I too. Hate this oh, I absolutely hate her. Absolutely. Um, she is fine though. She tells she tells him she tells Bond that the man who delivered uh, champagne to his room earlier isn't a real waiter, and she fills him in on her side of uh, the situation. So it was just like a quick aside that uh, Mister Whisper, Mister Whisper, who we find out later is one of Kanaga's men. Uh, gives him is posing as a waiter i guess to check up on you know but bon, bon has seen him though like he was the one like he was the one that was in the car and he was the one that walked through the the voodoo shop when bon was there so yeah i, I don't know if bon just doesn't remember i don't know how you forget a 350 pound black guy that you know well they all look alike right yes. i guess <laughs> or or was this be, like if you're really reading into it probably too far into it you could argue that he knew it, and Rosie just telling him that it was a bad guy kind of like reinforces her her role as a CIA agent, I guess. Yeah, the movie doesn't the doesn't movie make it doesn't, clear though. Like, yeah, I, I think I'm reading further into no, the script. I think you're giving her a lot of credit. Right, right. right. <laughs> so here's my question: 
and and this is this question might be a little too black for Brad. Um, <laughs> why did she have an afro wig when she already had a natural? I didn't understand that. She, I don't understand that either. Like they they were like put on this afro wig, but she had like a short afro anyway. <laughs> I was like, was the larger afro to like ingratiate her as a spy? Like I didn't get it. To make her look more believable as James Bond's wife? Right. <laughs> like, I just didn't understand it. And, like, her wig falls off immediately. Right. As soon as he flips her <laughs> off the bed. I was like, what was the point of the wig? Right. Like, right. I just, like, it wasn't like a woman with, like, red hair wearing a blonde wig or, you know, something like that. Like, it, it just was a bizarre moment for no reason. She is such a terrible actor. She, she's... Oh, a, she's yeah, horrendous. She is awful. Yeah. Absolutely she's awful. horrible. Um... James is like, hmm, maybe I can get some, uh, like you said, he's led by his dick. Maybe I can get yes. some pussy. I mean, and look, I saw like, what she looked like. Mm. I get it. Oh, yeah, I get it. And she's like, nah, sorry. I got a separate room. And then she goes into a separate room and finds a, a hat with a bloody feather on it. And she's spooked. And like she, pl- I, I, I. I'm I'm just waiting for this one. This woman grows up to be the oh Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Woman. <laughs> like she has to be, right? Like <laughs> she's she's awful. Like from the exact moment she comes on camera, she is awful. We we skipped over the fact that the way Bond stops her from coming in the room is by burning her with a cigar. Like, really? It's a woman? Like, that was the thing. Like, I thought it was a guy. Because I've never seen this. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a guy. And then there was a woman. I was like, you really? They're just going to burn a black woman with a cigar. That's the move here. <laughs> but he couldn't just grab her arm. That and was fucked. Like, you know what's funny? As bad as she is, and she's like, like in the Bond fan community, like she's universally accepted as being fucking awful. The actress that plays her, Gloria Hendry, does all these like Bond like events and stuff like that. Like she loves it. She well, loves it. Did she do anything else in her career? Uh,. I don't know. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there are lots of the answers. That's, that's a good point. That's I think you found point. your answer. Holy shit. Are they going to pay me $4 to come to this convention? <laughs> yes, I'll do it. I'm so poor. $4? God damn. I mean, is it worth more than that? I would argue not. <laughs> so the next morning, Bond and Rosie meet Quarrel Jr., the son of Quarrel from <laughs> Dr. No. Yes. Now, this this was done because in, in the books... Um, Live and Let Die was the second book. Dr. No was, I think, the sixth, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? So in he meets Quarrel in Live and Let Die and then meets back up with him in Dr. No. So it's the same guy in the books. Obviously, in Dr. No, Quarrel kind of died, so they can't, <laughs> they can't have him be there. But they had, I guess they wanted to keep the same, the role the same, even though they could have just made it any, uh, like, an, just another character if they wanted to. Right. Anyway. Um, so... Rosie continues to be incompetent and Quarrel Jr. takes uh, Rosie and Bond to Solitaire's home on uh, on an island. Um, again, Rosie, I don't I don't like this character because she's because hor- she's horrendously bad. She's horrendously she's bad. Awful. I think she put that wig back on. Like, why does she have like a big afro now? Because I she just wants the afro, I guess. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I don't. I, all right, all right. Bye, Rosie. We uh, 
they Carl takes them to um, uh, Solitaire's home uh, or nearby. Like he doesn't pull up directly. Like, hey, here's Solitaire's place. They they're, they're, they basically go to Kananga Island, essentially. <laughs> yeah, they go to they go to Boss Kananga Island, and we get a quick scene with Kananga and Solitaire uh, that basically just kind of informs the audience that. That uh, Rosie is working for Kananga. Mm-hmm. So we get another scene of uh, Rosie and Bond. Apparently, they just had sex, and she and, and he interrogates her because he believes that he believes in voodoo now, and he believes that because he picked up this random ass voodoo card, that uh, she's going to double cross him. And she's like, oh, you wouldn't kill me if, you know, not after what we just did. And, <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> and, and he's like, apparently, you've never seen this film series before. Because if I have sex with you and your name doesn't come right after mine in the credits, you're going to die. Now, now, see, this scene is, is a prime example. So Ma- Mankiewicz talked a lot about writing how writing for Connery is different than Roger Moore because if you have Connery and you have him in a scene with a beautiful woman he's just as liable to stab her as he is to make to kiss her basically and you can write it either way and it's believable but with Roger Moore when you have him doing something that's particularly nasty he looks gross doing it like 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 him like callously and casually threatening Rosie with this gun after they just slept together is really uncomfortable and kind of gross feeling no it's like doesn't fit right yeah it's like that dude's gonna shoot this woman like in the head right and and there's a scene in the next movie man with the golden gun where he also gets rough with a woman and it and it just doesn't it just doesn't sit right like it just doesn't feel right coming from roger moore roger moore hates women can can we talk about the fact that he knows that she's going to double cross him and yes. he fucks her anyway. Oh well, that that's that's classic Bond. Like that <laughs> is such a dirtbag move. Like, look, I'm probably gonna have to kill you, but I mean, I gotta get my dick wet. Like, I was just like, come on, man. Like, damn. Like, at least it would have been, it would have seemed less dirt baggish if he had like had sex with her and it was like. And then it was revealed that she was mm. uh, like double crossing. Like, oh, all right, well, he didn't know or whatever. But he knew he was like, yeah, she's gonna double cross me. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow her back out before, <laughs> before, before I get her arrested. I'm like, that's fucked up, dude. Again, I get it. I just don't, I don't support it. <laughs> right. And then, and then we get another tremendously, wonderfully acted scene from Rosie when she sees the scarecrow for the first time. The expression on her face oh! is fantastic. <laughs> Even Roger Moore was like, okay, Rosie, that's not I don't believe you this time. Yeah, he, yeah. Even <laughs> if he probably ad libbed that scene, right. like, "This is getting a little tired." <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and this is Roger Moore saying this. <laughs> so we get another scene. So I forgot to mention in the previous scene with um, Solitaire and Kananga, uh, Solitaire predicted death. She just said, "Kananga was like, what do you see? Like James Bond is here, I think. What do you see?" And she was like, she pulls out a death card. And she's like, oh, I see death. So then all the stuff with Rosie and Bond happen. Rosie starts to flee when she sees a scarecrow. She's like, oh, my gosh. 
and and uh, Bond gives chase, but the scarecrows shoot uh, Rosie dead. Um, next scene, Kananga confronts Solitaire as to why her vague ass premonition didn't come true the way he wanted it to come true, and she was like, "Well, look, motherfucker, like <laughs> you just said, what do you see?" And I said, "I see death. Somebody died, didn't they?" <laughs> she ain't lying. I'm right. Now, if they if they killed so so Rosie was killed with the scarecrow, which had like a like a gun hidden in its mouth as she ran into this clearing. Bond walks into the same clearing to check on her dead body. Why wouldn't you just shoot him too? Here, this is instance number two. If they could have easily killed Bond, like uh, actually probably instance like four. I think. Yeah, I I feel like yeah, killed Bond. They're they're running up the fucking tower. Right, it's kind of crazy. Uh, so. Solitaire gets all sassy with Kananga. Kananga turns uh, turns around and tells her, uh, you better not get too uppity. <laughs> and he questions her on Bond's whereabouts. And she's like, I can't think straight when you get mad at me and call me uppity. We get a scene. It's nighttime now. We get a scene of Bond hang gliding <laughs> this. Onto the island. I've I've always wanted to try hang gliding. It looks like it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it does look fun. But this isn't even at first. It's not hang gliding. It's parasailing, right? Which is probably better to do because it's a lot safer than hang gliding. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, we just unhook it. Oh, look, yeah. we're hang gliding. I was like, I don't. You would have to be going a lot faster than that. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, also, no one noticed the boat with the tethered guy at the top. Well, no, because remember he they he untethers before the boat comes around the bend where the oh, guard is watching over, okay, the, that's over right, the ocean. Right. So, yeah, like so, this is a very Batman moment. Yes, this is Batman. Bond. <laughs> I'm fine. All right. Keep in mind they didn't want a bunch of gadgets and weird shit in this movie. No, let's do hang gliding onto an island. Okay. Let's just hang glide onto an island with our drop drop kicking a guard as we're hang gliding onto this island. I, right. I, I feel mean, like what is this Street Fighter? <laughs> well, <laughs> give it a couple hours. Yeah. What time is it? <laughs> All right. So look, this next scene is the scene that this was my first Roger Moore movie, right? This scene coming up is the scene where I decided, you know what? This is the final nail in the coffin. I do not like Roger Moore. <laughs> this is oh, I okay. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I love Brad's like, wait a minute. Oh, uh, nope. Okay. <laughs> I got it. All in. Bond hang glides into the estate and infiltrates Solitaire's room. Put down those cards. It is a blasphemy. They tell nothing to those who cannot see. Oh, but they do. That's uh, a bit of luck. Good luck for both of us. The cards say we will be lovers. You're mistaken. It's impossible, forbidden for me. Now you must go. But you do believe. I mean, really believe in the cards. They have never lied to me. Then they won't now. Pick one. Thank you. 
You knew the answer before it was given. Strangely enough, somehow, so did I. Solitaire comes in and is like, what you doing with my car, Joe? And Bond is like, I thought you believed in this stuff, right? And she's like, yeah, I believe in it. And he's like, well, I read these cards and they said we're going to fuck. And Solitaire was like, bullshit. And Bond was like, pick a card. And then, bam, she picked it. And it was, and it was the lover's card. And I don't see you could look at her and she's like, no, that can't be true. It can't be true. Like, I would have seen it. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, please don't make me do this. Well, when he when he met her the first time in New York, he drew the lover's card yes. from the deck as well. By chance. So he'd already planted the seed. Right. See, <laughs> and he will later. <laughs> and he will later. Hello. And he's like, uh, the cards don't lie, my dear, or some bullshit. And she was like, but I don't really want... And effectively we see we see we see Roger Moore go in we see James Bond go in and start to make out with Solitaire even though Solitaire looks like a deer in headlights and like she had too many drinks down. but she was conscious so that's fine the camera pans down and we see and James puts the deck of cards down on the table and we see that all of them were the <laughs> lovers cards so in effect James Bond coerced this girl to have sex with him. Coerced is one word you could use. Without <laughs> without her like permit like he took advantage of someone in a in a state who was she wasn't in her right mind. Right. Right. But she was conscious, so it's fine. It yes. doesn't count. A, co- a coerced yes. It's <laughs> still yes. It's still <laughs> according, to, according to James Bond. <laughs> yes. He rapes this girl. Like, it's ostensibly rape. Like, <laughs> he literally, he literally stacked the deck yes. of <laughs> pussy cards. It was like, let's, if this card says you got to give it up, then it does. Oh, I just happened to buy a you got to give it up stack of cards. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I like to believe that he actually bought 48 different decks of tarot cards <laughs> <laughs> and just pulled the lover's card out of each one and made a deck. You know what? And had the forethought to bring this deck of cards with him he was like, you never on know. his hang gliding adventure. He was like, you never know when you're going <laughs> to need these. I just found, I found that to be, that was the moment where I was like, dude, this bond is like pretty fucking rapey. Dude. Right. Like, that shit is unacceptable. Like, like I need to believe that he walked into the hotel gift shop and was like, hello, I'd like to buy 48 decks of tarot cards. And, like, and the, the shopkeeper ones... like, looked at him like he was batshit. And they were like, the ones with 007 on the outside? <laughs> yes. The very same. What do, does that mean? Do I get the James Bond discount? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's who I am. Yeah, I mean, that scene was so incredibly cool. You could never do that scene now. No. No, people would be like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, dude, come on. Yeah, that shit was fucked up. Could you imagine the think pieces? Plus, she was a virgin. Right. Like, like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's a, it is a good thing this movie wasn't made 40 years later. Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> Do not reenact. You know how, like, the new Bond movies like, oh, let's take a little bit from the old ones and put them in the new. Don't don't take the scene. Don't Don't scene. bring this one. This is bad. This is really bad. Uh, but, like, at the same time, while, while I thought it was super rapey and it was, 
I couldn't help but burst out laughing because I was like, <laughs> this this movie is brazen, dude. Like it just doesn't give a fuck. And see, uh, and see, this is this is this scene is one that uh that more detractors like to point out as being uh yeah. as being a scene because because they're like Sean Connery would have never had to trick a woman to sleep with him. <laughs> like no, instead he just forces himself on the lesbians. That's no problem. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. If you're gonna do it, you gotta do it. It's just I mean, like, look. If you're gonna be a rapist, like just be full on rapist. Yeah, like you don't have to. Ha- it doesn't have to be a half measure. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So he, they have sex. Uh, I swear to God, the scene afterwards, she's laying there and she looks like, oh my God, what have I done? Oh, she was. She was. She was like bemoaning. She's like, "Oh, I can't," because because ostensibly the the way they set up in the film is that she can only retain her fortune telling powers until she is until not she a virgin her anymore, hymen. right? Which Kanaga was going to do at some point, as he <laughs> apparently did to her mother before her, as he tells her. Oh, Kanaga's a rapist too, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are no good. So, there are no heroes. So, but yeah, but she, but she is, uh, she is upset that she, uh, that she now no longer has her fortune telling powers. Yeah, but, and and Bomb was like, all right, so uh, now that we got that out the way, where's uh, where's Kananga? And she's like, I don't know. He's like, come on, baby, I just know, you, you know, just just tell me what Kananga is. Like, mm, nah, I can't. Like. It, it it don't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the I thought the funny thing was it's like it don't work no more. And then she's like, oh, you know, since it's already broken, where you go again. Right? I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> hey, where are you going, dog? Let, let, let's let's uh, let's make it happen. I just thought that, like, hey, I know you raped me and all, but it was kind of good. What is this a fucking porno? <laughs> Come on, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> and oh not shit! At the same time. So, um. Damn, I lost my place. Where were we? Well, now now they're exploring the island together because Bond tells her that once they once they find out what's going on, they're going to find out what's going on on the island and why Kananga has it so well protected. Then he's going to get her to to the U.S. Yes. So there. so they travel through the jungle and they come across uh, Baron Samedi, um, who informs Kananga's men of their whereabouts. The two are then attacked by a helicopter. <laughs> okay. Right. And they flee to a small village. Well, a, well, after this is after they find what Kananga has been hiding. Yes, everybody, which uh, is a giant it? heroin field. Yeah, 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 a, a, a humongous heroin field. Um, so they they flee to a village, and apparently the local police are on the take. Of course, they're black. I mean, they're all yeah. they're all a part of Kananga's fucking black right. army. Except for one, and that's because he didn't pay his dues. <laughs> he eventually dies. Um, so we get uh, the local police track them there, and the player, the pair flee on a double-decker bus. Um, so here's one of the things with this movie. There is a lot of... If there aren't a lot of chase scenes, I feel like there are a lot of chase scenes, and I feel like they're just a little bit too long. See, uh, the later one is yeah, super the later long. one is incredibly long. Um, yeah. This one and the and the FDR one, I was I was fine with. Yeah, but like I I needed I needed there I needed one of the smaller ones to be cut, or I needed the longer one to be trimmed. If you're gonna have all these chase scenes, 
Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I definitely agree with you. This, this, like you said before, this movie was filled with them. There was a ton of them. So, yeah, uh, and there's not much like there's not much plot to go with this movie. Like this movie could have been an hour and a half, like easily. It could have been an hour and a half. Sparked if that doubt at one o three when Micah comments that uh, they could have they could have cut, cut <laughs> half an hour for the movie. Yeah, look, I mean, we say it all the time, man. You, they, you definitely do say that all the time. They could have, man. Like all uh, these movies, man. Like I like these movies, but it's like all all right. Yeah, all some of them right. just drag. Yeah, some of them drag, man. Now, <laughs> for this, for this, so so they're chasing they're chasing Bond and Solitaire who are on this double decker bus. So there's two major stunts here. You have you have the bus which does a complete like emergency brake spin in the middle of the road. And then of course the low bridge which Bond drives under and it knocks the top half of the bus off. Those are the two big stunts here. Uh I kind of dug that because I like that it knocks it off and then the car drives into yes. it. So not gonna, that was pretty cool. Like but, that was clever. But here's what's here's what's weird about it. So First of all, I don't know if you noticed they they did not. I don't know if they did this on purpose or if they forgot to do it, but they did not score the metal on the bus where it was supposed to break away. So like that shit like happened legitimately. Like, oh, like, really? like they really tore the top <laughs> half of that bus off. You know what? All right, that's fair. And Jane Seymour was on the bus during while these stunts were being performed. Jesus, I have no idea why they didn't get a double. To sit, to sit on there while this was going on. Wow. <laughs> Someone wanted her dead. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> they were like, no, nothing's going to happen to the bus. You get on. Make sure you stand up straight and tall. Now, this is like, now this chase here and also when they're in when they're in New York is where you really notice the um, the George Martin score, which, like I said, it's the first non-Barry one. So it's very it feels very different. But I think that his score holds up much better than some of the other guest composers they would get to do these later on. It seems like they kept using Live or Let Die though. Well they that they do that all the time. Like that, oh, okay. that that's a pretty that's a pretty common trope with these films. They they'll use themes from the from the main title throughout. Oh, I never noticed well. that. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, but but like so like <clears throat> in a couple episodes we're gonna do Spy Who Loved Me, which Marvin Hamlish did. And Hamlish talks about how heavily inspired he was by the Bee Gees when he was writing the score <laughs> oh, for that movie, shit. and you can tell. <laughs> but in this one, I I think the I think it holds up. It, it doesn't feel dated like the other ones do. Okay, it's just it's just a little bit more of a Beatlesy version of a James Bond score that you get here. So I mean, Beatles are great. The Bee Gees, well, okay, <laughs> that may not be quite on the same level as the Beatles. Right, right. They both start with a B. Like that's about the, that's the only thing they have in common. That's literally it. So they meet up with Quarrel, and uh, they escape on his boat. Quarrel takes him back to uh, land, uh, where they are to fly to New to New Orleans. Um, they hop in a cab, the same cab that is uh, that James got in earlier uh, in the movie. And it turns out that that cabbie is one of Kananga's guys. He traps them in the cab, takes them to the airport, um, where the plan is to put James on a plane, uh, take him to 10,000 feet, and then throw him out. So Uh, there's part of the scene that confuses me a little bit. So as as they're escorting him to the plane, um, like Mr. Biggs, thugs are are surrounding them basically. Right. And solitaire, like they, they comment how they're gonna how they're gonna 
drop him out of the plane essentially. And Solitaire gets out of the gets out of the car and says, "My only regret is I won't be there to see it." And she swings her purse at him, and he uses that as the initiative, as the distraction to to escape from these guys. Right. I want like what was her motivation in that scene? Because it's not clear. Is she is she purposely trying to cause a distraction? Is she trying to show Mr. Big's men that she's not in cahoots with him? Like, is she trying to distance herself with him? I think it's probably that. Okay. I, I well, I think it's probably two things. I think she's I think she's kind of doing both. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably both. Yeah. Because she's she's now now that she's lost her power to the the magical dick that is James Bond. <laughs> I think she has a uh, a connection to him. Okay. And for whatever reason. Yeah, because I remember the first the first time I saw this movie, like it confused me as to what her what her motivation was there. So that's my guess. I yeah. think it's a bit of both. Um, why is her name Solitaire? Uh it does not explained as to why. I guess because she uses cards. Like that was her name in the book as well. They right. never explained why. Because uh, normally it's like there's some play on it and you're like, oh, yeah. I get it or whatever. But uh, at first, <laughs> before I knew she was a tarot card person, I was like, she was using cards. I was like, is she just playing solitaire? Well, and, Bo- and when Bond meets her, he... <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> and, w- and when Bond even meets her, like he dips his head around the corner. He's like, Black Queen on the Red King, Mrs. And she's like, solitaire. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? That is what it is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh no! God damn it! <laughs> that is a terrible reason. Go ahead, Jesus. So, at the airport, like you <laughs> That's said, so fucking silly. This <laughs> is so silly. Solitaire creates a distraction for whatever reason, uh, and Bond uses this as a chance to get the upper hand. Um, we get another chase scene right, in this, an airport. This is like the Diamonds Are Forever thing, where they have one chase scene with a minuscule break, followed by another chase scene immediately. Yeah, I'm getting I don't tired. like it. Um, this is uh, this chasing. Look, is goofy. It, it it it's it's goofy. It's ridiculous. Well, because Bond's driving a plane. A plane. He's <laughs> he's driving a plane, and to the point where at one point the plane gets his wings clipped, and and he's just driving it around. It's like he's playing Grand Theft Auto and he finally <laughs> figured out how to get into the airport and he's just having a good old time. Right. It's that actually a very accurate description. <laughs> they trash like three or four planes with cars. In oh, this yeah. Scene. Absolutely. I appreciated that. I was like, damn, like those planes were like made out of paper mache or whatever. Absolutely. Like, it was awesome. I was like, of course, you get the comic relief of the old woman who's learning how to fly the plane. Bond Ooh. hops in pretending to be the flight instructor and uh and, and she and she's of course freaked out of course as she's going around uh we get the first use of shit in a bond movie oh really in this scene as, as they're driving through the hangar where the where they're closing the doors and this is where the wings get clipped off she's right. just like holy shit <laughs> she, as they're, as they're driving up super to it. racy <laughs> they were on the edge so but somehow bond just gets to like gets Ends up where he started, essentially, and then just dips out of the plane and runs away. Yeah. Oh, See, so you mean the whole thing was a waste? Yes. Yeah, they did, they, they <laughs> see, they did, see, did not need to exist at all. <laughs> so, uh, eventually, Bond escapes and he meets up with Felix, who tells him that Strutter is monitoring the Filet of Soul restaurant. Um <laughs> Which I don't know if I mentioned it's it's a it's a chain owned by Mr. Big, and while we get a scene of uh, Strutter strutting his stuff, just kind of standing there looking all strutty, 
uh, with a pipe in his mouth for some reason. And he's standing in the same place where the original agent who got killed in New Orleans is standing. And lo and behold, here comes the same funeral march uh, coming in. And and here comes... Um, uh, what's the guy up next on Politics Nation? What's his name? Um, oh, I don't remember. Al Sharpton. Al, Al Sharpton. Sharpton comes in and he's getting ready to stab <laughs> Strutter. That dude like is way did. too short to be being Al Sharpton. He's oh, too- I'm being a racist. Light-skinned <laughs> black guy with, uh, with uh, gray hair. They all look <laughs> like Al Sharpton to me. Um, before we, you know, I, 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 I think it's safe to assume that Strutter's dead, right? Oh, yeah. No, he's absolutely. Yeah, gone. I mean, okay. that, again, that's why they showed you that funeral march at the beginning of the film, just so they don't have to show the whole fucking thing again. Yeah. Once you see the second line. Right. right? You, know, you know what's it, happening. And that fucking black, it's the plane, it's the plane uh, <laughs> guy. Yeah, it's a rep for whoever he's standing next to. So Felix and Bond enter the Filet of Soul restaurant. And uh, I just like saying that name. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Felix is pulled away. And they sit down. Uh, this woman is giving an overacting uh, performance of uh, "Live and Let Die." Awful, awful <laughs> performance of "Live and Let Die." Holy shit! I was like, "Where is Paul McCartney to save this song?" I don't think Paul McCartney would work at the Filet of Salt in a restaurant. <laughs> you'd be correct. <laughs> Can you imagine if they panned over and it's fucking Paul McCartney with that little right, violin right, guitar, like "Live right. and Let Die"? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> he doing here like yeah we let white people perform here that's about it that would have been that would have actually been a great comedic ridiculous roger moore moment I would have this place it. reminds me of a place in philadelphia called warm daddy's uh where it's just us it's a soul food restaurant with like live music mm. and it's got this kind of decor filet of fish I mean, they do have fish there. Of course they do. It's black. <laughs> now, I don't know if you guys noticed that Roger Moore never does order a vodka martini. He does not. In this film. That's, on, that's by design because um, they, they were trying to distance themselves from as many Connerisms as they possibly could. Okay. Just to <laughs> avoid the comparison. Obviously, they would loosen up on this. Immediately. As time after, would go along, right. I have to imagine the next movie he does. Uh, I'm Pretty sure they does at some point in the next film. Yeah, like come on, like there's some things that are iconic. Like, right, you don't need to run away from it. Why? (laughs) Right, like there's one thing. Distancing is one thing, but then like if you don't have certain things like that, like it feels like a totally new character. Right, right. You know what I mean? Um, does he say Bond, James Bond in this? He does. He does. He he says it to Solitaire, then he gets ready to say it to Mister Big, and then that's when you get the the interrupted uh, names is for Tombstones, baby. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I couldn't. Re- I couldn't remember. Um, so in the restaurant, Felix is pulled away, um, and Bond is recaptured by Mister Big again. Again, what what is um, it with Flay of Souls having all sorts of like fucking trap doors and and hidden walls? <laughs> right, because this is a chain, right? Right. Like, <laughs> I'd have to imagine when they drew up the plans when they built the restaurant that the uh, that the city. The city code inspector would have had a few questions. Like, what are you, what are you guys doing? Like, no, we need a trapdoor here, a spinning uh, booth in this area. Like, oh, okay, makes sense. So he gets captured and taken to an underground lair. His uh, 
where he meets uh, Mr. Big and Solitaire and Teehee. Uh, he's sitting in the chair, and the chair has restraints that come over, uh, up over his forearms, but not totally over his forearms. Right, right. right. So there's plenty of room that he can wiggle out there's of There's plenty of room so. where he can just kind of wiggle out of it. But, all right, Mr. Big, you need to need to get some engineers on that, uh, on that chair there. Um, so... Bond Bond is captured and he is uh he meets Mr. Big. Mr. Big reveals himself to be uh Kananga in disguise. Surprise, and this dun, scene dun, is dun, where dun, dun, dun. we is where Bond deduces his uh his plan. Kananga, poppy grower in thousands of acres of well camouflaged fields protected by the voodoo threat of Baron Sandy. And as Mr. Big, distributor and wholesaler through a chain of Philly of Soul restaurants. Wholesale? <laughs> Sell heroin for money? My apologies, I'm sure you simply give it away. Excellent, Mr. Park. That's precisely what I intend to do. Two tons of it, to be exact. When entering into a fiercely competitive field, one finds it advisable to give away free samples. Man or woman, black or white, I don't discriminate. Two tons of heroin with a street value well over a billion dollars. Nationally distributed free. Well, that should make a certain group of families rather angry, wouldn't you say? Angry? I might dear Mr. Bond. It'll positively drive them out of their minds and subsequently out of the business. Quite ingenious. <laughs> a, a sort of junkies welfare system. Well, merely until the number of addicts in the country has doubled, shall we say. Then I will begin to market that acreage that you blundered into the other day. That heroin will be very expensive indeed, leaving myself and the phone company the only two going monopolies in this nation for years to come. And here I thought it was solitaire did the fortune telling. Let's hope for both your sake she still can. The question still stands, Mr. Bond, asked by the gentleman concerned. Did you touch her? It's not the sort of question gentleman answers. Uh, so what Kananga is planning on doing is he is producing two tons of heroin and is protecting the poppy fields by ex exploiting the San Monique locals' fear of voodoo uh, and Baron Samdi and the occult. And through his alter ego, Mr. Big, he plans to distribute the heroin for free at his filet of soul restaurants in order to get people hooked so that so that he can eventually like his stuff is so good that eventually people will come back and well, they he, won't get their drugs from the mafia. Well he's gonna flood he's gonna flood the market to drive the mafia out of the business. Right. Which which Bond references to him. He's like, I'm pretty sure the Mafia would have a big problem with that. And he's like, of course they will, but it won't matter. I think Kananga might be slightly underestimating the Mafia's desire to take that laying down. Yeah, like, I'm yeah, sure. dude, it's the Mafia. Like, come on, come Dr on, drugs man. are a kind of, kind of their thing. <laughs> <laughs> kind of their thing. I, but then again, the Mafia just has 
you know, a couple families of Italian people. Kananga has all the black people in Harlem <laughs> to fight to fight his battle for it. That's so. true. <laughs> all of them. We're all together. Look, if black people want to team up against Italians, we'll do it. Like, have you ever seen a Spike Lee movie? We hate Italians. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if Spike Lee got the got the inspiration for all his films. The answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. In, the answer is indubitably. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but uh, you know what? I'll allow it. So, Kananga takes James's watch, right? And he's going to do a test because he thinks that Solitaire doesn't have her powers anymore. So this this is where you get the other weird line where it's it's as T is taking Bond's watch from him. Bond says "butter hook," like butter hands, which would make sense if he like dropped the watch on the floor, but it makes right. zero sense in the context that <laughs> that it's being delivered. Right, it's like. <laughs> Roger Moore just had a stroke right there. Right. <laughs> like 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 the line is legitimately clever if it was in the correct context, basically. Yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Right? Like, <laughs> I don't need to know that information. Roger Moore's like, I, I gotta get this line in. It's too good. It's too good. <laughs> Fucking I'm, gonna, a, I'm, gonna, I'm right. nailing this. I'm nailing it. So he so Kananga tests um Kananga tests Solitaire's abilities. He he takes the watch and he says, All right. The, the serial number on this is, you know, three, four, five, six or whatever it is. Right. And then he asks Solitaire, am I telling the truth or am I lying? And Solitaire is like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're telling the truth. And uh, Kananga appears to be satisfied with the answer. So instead of just shooting James Bond while they have him in restraints, he gives the watch back, releases the restraints. And Teehee knocks Bond out with his with his butter hook and tell and brings in whisper and tells whisper to take him to an alligator farm so that he could be eaten alive so they they haul him out right and kananga talks to solitaire and he's like you know you're lying right you know i know you're lying right and and he gets pissed and he backhands backhands and he's like he he was like what do you say he was like i wanted to be the one to fuck your powers away or something like oh that, he right? did after he delivered a, yet another bizarre, not sense-making line where he said, I gave you a 50-50 chance and you weren't even close. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. If you had a 50-50 chance, there are exactly two options I think of, made cor- it of correctness that you It's about make. as close as you can get without being correct. <laughs> the close you can get without going over. <laughs> oh, shit. God damn it. Um, so yeah, uh, Kananga's pissed and, uh, we cut to, uh, what is it? Four black dudes in a car with a knocked out James Bond. And instead of just killing him, see, and this, and that's how you know that this movie could never be made today. (laughs) Shot for shot. (laughs) Fucking ridiculous. (laughs) They, um, they take him to an alligator farm. Uh, where they, where they make, uh, where they make drugs. What is it? A drug lab. This is, this is where they, this <laughs> is where they refine, drug. refine the heroin, basically. Yes. This is, I don't know about drugs, guys. Anything <laughs> <laughs> about drugs. So there is, there is so much good stuff about this particular location in the film. So when they were location scouting, 
in New Orleans. Because basically, Guy Hamilton wanted to do part of the film in New Orleans because Guy Hamilton's a big fan of jazz, and jazz is kind of a big deal in New Orleans. And is a big deal in the black community. Right. But he knows, but he knew that if they just had the funeral scene in New Orleans, there was no way that the that they would pay to send them all the way out there just for that one that one scene. So they were trying to find other locations they could use for other stuff in the film. So as they're scouting, they find they come across this sign that says trespassers will be eaten basically and they're like we have to see what the fuck this is. So they go in here. So this is a real crocodile farm that exists. No. And the dude who runs it his name is Ross Kananga. They named the villain in the film after him. So this wow. apparently this dude was quite a character. So he ran the farm um, he, his dad ran it before him. He was killed. His dad was killed by one of the crocodiles Jeez. on the farm. And Ross Kanag could even like point out the crocodile that killed him. Wow. Like, <laughs> like he knew which one it was. And, um, when they did the stunt that was coming up here with, with the crocodiles where he's running across them, that was actually Ross Kananga that did that stunt. It took him five takes. They show him do it. Like if you watch the behind the scenes features, they show all five takes Dude almost fucking got it a couple of times during <laughs> nah, this. Nah, man, fuck that. So, so quite quite an interesting little bit of uh, trivia as far as this as far as this random ass fucking crocodile farm that they came across. <laughs> Good lord, no, like no, I'm not running across <laughs> crocodiles, not for anything. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be doing that fucking stunt either. You must be kidding me. Like like on the fourth take, the last crocodile actually like gets his foot. And like the shoe is stuck in his mouth. No, basically, <laughs> dude, fuck <laughs> yeah, that. So the only the only way they got it done on the fifth take, he put cleats in his shoes so that he could actually have some traction while he was running across them, so that he would be stabbing the. They cr- have hard outer shells. They're not being hurt. It's fine. Mm. It's fine. So, so yeah, but like I said, Bond, Bond and Teehee are there. Um, he basically he's telling Bond all about the crocodiles as he leads him out on this pier while the, while they're feeding them whole chickens, essentially. Yep. Uh, look, I I have a friend who uh, has pictures, not at a crocodile farm, but it's kind of the same thing. Uh-huh. It's like I think they were in Thailand where you like, hey, take a picture with a tiger, and I'm like, no, nope. <laughs> like it's sedated, no. <laughs> Because that sedation lasts. I don't blame you, right? For a finite amount of time. Like you saw what happened to Steve Irwin. The shit, the shit, like that dude knows what he's doing, and he still got fucking killed. Yeah, no, I don't need to get eaten alive by any animal ever. So, nah, correct, not worth it. So, there is, um, there's a picture of my wife and I when we went to South Florida. She likes animals for some <laughs> strange reason, and we went to some. I sort it wasn't of, even like a specific animal animals in general she and we saw we saw like kangaroos and peacocks and wait kangaroos in florida yeah and like some sort of like like i don't know what it was it was a place where you go look at animals right and and uh one of the things that they had there was this big ass snake and i don't know the i don't know the genus i don't know the species I think the genus was big ass and the species was snake. And it was, and people were like, hey, you want to take a picture with the snake? Come on up and hold the snake. So, <laughs> incidentally, the only time we're holding the snake would be fun. It would probably be a funny. <laughs> yes. So, we're going and we see a bunch of kids go up 
And and I'm like, oh, we could do this, babe. We could do it. We could do it. And I get up there and I'm like, oh, shit. Like, what the fuck? Me and my big fucking mouth. Because this big ass snake is on our shoulders. And she, I'm trying my best to crack a smile. And she <laughs> is not having any of it. Really? She's just like, yeah, she's just like, mm, get this off of me. <laughs> so, yeah, we ain't doing shit like that anymore. That's so funny. Why would you hear me? You're afraid of my dog, let alone a giant snake. <laughs> yeah, you must have. You, were you guys dating then? You weren't married, were you? No, we weren't married. Yeah, yet. you try. You try to be like, well, I'll hold this snake. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I got a big snake too. Yeah, uh-huh. crying later on. If I find that picture, I'll send it to y'all. That's but funny. yeah, it was it was weird, man. <laughs> fucking um, so T- so T- he leaves Avon on this rock in the middle of the lake, filled with crocodiles and surrounded by chicken. Basically, <laughs> where again could have just put a gun into his head and tossed him into the crocodile pit, where the crocodiles would have destroyed the evidence. Right, but like, instead they also- you want to have this very elaborate death. It's they were uh, all worried about destroying evidence. Like you could have did just what you said. <laughs> Just fucking put a bullet in the back of his head and throw it. You, you could have did it. It's not murder if the crocodiles do it, though, Mike. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't put him in the crocodile's mouth. They wouldn't eat him himself. God damn it. So Bond escapes by uh, by uh, Gregory Heinzing his way across a bunch of <laughs> alligators. So I I really did enjoy the um. So Bond's watch um they show you early in the film is the magnet watch where he he can turn a dial and it becomes a magnet. I did enjoy the false the false save with the boat yes. where it looked like he was going to pull the boat over, but it was still tethered. Basically, <laughs> that was that was very cool. That was very cool because it's like oh okay why don't I do this like it's that's a that's a cool like this 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 movie isn't bad. Right? It really isn't. It really isn't bad. Um, so Bond gets back uh, and he he sets the drug lab on fire, and then he hops in a boat. And for the next what fifteen oh, twenty minutes it is a long time. This is a this is a huge car slash chase scene. So so Tom Mangowitz, the writer of the film, talks about how for the longest time in the script, this was simply written as the greatest boat chase you've ever seen. Like they didn't actually choreograph it or storyboard it until like a week before they started shooting it, essentially. <laughs> oh, goody. So, so they had a whole lot of shit to do. Um, it was... It's a very cool chase, but like like Micah says, it goes on forever, like absolutely forever. Um, but they do a lot of interesting, interesting stuff with the boats as they're going. Apparently, on the one on the first jump where they jump over the uh, the police cars, um, that was the that was a world record for boat jumping at wow. the time. Um, and it's a pretty we, impressive stunt. Yes, it was cool and. This scene also, of course, is the infamous debut of Everyone's, Tom Magovitz's answer to all of the evil black men in the look, film. Look, everyone's favorite loudmouth bigot is introduced in this scene. Sheriff John Wayne Pepper. <laughs> he is for the longest time, like right, like this is what I picture 
of Southern white old men, right? Like Sheriff J.W. Pepper, because this character, this character is so memorable. They brought him back. He's, oh, he he in in, in when wait, the film he's came in, out, he's in other he's, James Bond movies. He is in the Man with the Golden Gun in a completely ham-fisted manner. <laughs> because I don't know if you know this, Jay, <laughs> but the scene in which he t- in which he comes into the mix in the Man with the Golden Gun takes place in the movie. In it's it's Hong Kong, right, Micah? If I'm not mistaken, why why would he so, be yeah. there? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so so Sheriff J W Pepper is played by J. a New York actor named Clifton James. I did not know he was from New York. Yep, he is not <laughs> Southern at all. And and also, I don't know if you guys realize this, but the same actor would essentially play the same part. In Superman 2 as well. Holy shit. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> Clifton James in Superman 2 essentially playing Sheriff J.W. Pepper. Wow. He's um he's basically like he's um he's the same character. I mean, it's not the same actor, but he's the character from like Cool Hand Luke. He's the yeah. he's, he's that same character. He's that stereotype essentially. And, and look, he is his, the guy from Cool Hand Luke. Shut up. Like, the floor it, walker prison guard? Are you serious? Same yes. actor. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the what we got here is a failure to communicate guy? That's I, not him, is it? Uh, let me check. But I uh, don't think so. He, look, his IMDb says, cool hand Luke. In it. Wow. That's pretty funny. <laughs> of course it does. But, but what's funny is it makes sense for him to be in it because if you look at any black exploitation movie, that character is. Right. There's always the. The racist hillbilly, the racist guy. hillbilly white guy. Yes, yeah, absolutely. God bless him. Oh, he's so horrible in this. In this though, like, I, like, and, and apparently he was hugely popular with the with the audiences that saw the film. I don't understand how that could be. Were they black audiences? Oh, I would imagine that they were probably mostly white audiences that thought this was hilarious. They're like, he's gonna get him. But oh my god, and just like I said, the the especially watching it in today's you know today's times. Like every time he calls someone a boy, like every time he's calling a black guy boy, it's incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, yes, not fun yes, at all. Yes, it is. But of course he's, of course he's made to look like a complete idiot. Well, in this scene, don't worry, he he nailed it. <laughs> he okay, so it. Clifton James is in Cool Hand Luke. He did not say that line. Okay, I was gonna <laughs> say. So, but, but yeah, but like uh, I said, this this boat, like so, they're running, they're driving. They drive the bad guys drive a boat into a swimming pool. They're driving a boats across across land while a wedding is going on, um, all across the Louisiana Bayou, essentially. But for about like no bullshit for about twelve minutes. Right. It's it takes it takes absolutely forever. It takes absolutely for way much longer than it needs to because they keep going through like multiple stages of the boat chase because at one point. Um, the one, the one of, you know, Kananga's henchmen, um, he was getting, he got pulled over by J.W. Pepper and then used the distraction of the boat chase to, to, to get away essentially. And then he goes to see J.W. says, go get my cousin, Billy Bob. He's got the fastest boat of the bayou, which of course gets stolen. <laughs> like, listen to, listen to you say that line. Right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> go get my cousin, Billy Bob. He's got the fastest boat on the bayou. Okay, well, that's what we're doing now. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
And what's and what's even funnier is that though the scene was a lot shorter in The Man with the Golden Gun, they would essentially repeat this chase oh, in The Man with the Golden Gun, mm-hmm. essentially. So with JW Pepper present to uh to witness what was going on. <laughs> of course. Fucking JW. Look, this character's a bigot, man, but I absolutely love it. And I don't know if I love this character because I'm a racist. <laughs> I mean, well, because the character is a, is comically racist, but I absolutely love this character. He he is he is a he is a buffoon baboon. Like if if there was such a thing as a white coon, like this character yeah. would be it. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's wooning. He's white cooning. <laughs> like, that's uh, that's what he's just doing. It, it is kind of funny because. Like it, it feels good to kind of see like a dumb white stereotype. You're like, yeah, yeah that feels all right. I'm okay with it. Like, <laughs> that's that, that's like I, the I get, whole reason he's in the film, it's right? Just, just to just so that you can laugh at a white person, basically. Right. And look, <laughs> I could not appreciate it more. But then the movie's like, you're like, all right, I'm feeling all right. And then later on, stuff happens to black people, and I'm like, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> I was like, you could have just left that out and let us laugh at the white guy for a change. Yep. Nope. So <laughs> a little bit. Now the way the way Bond ends this is kind of cool because he. He gets somehow gets into like a shipyard with it where it's just him and and the one guy with the fast boat. So he throws like I don't know if that was gasoline or whatever all over the dude's. I assume face, it was gasoline. And uh and and basically bumps the boat so that it goes into an abandoned tanker and just explodes the entire thing. Basically, I I would have thought it would have made more sense to have him go into like him to throw the gas on the guy and mm. then maybe like light a cigarette or something. But it was like he just went inside a boat and it exploded. Well, see if you if you'll notice, and you see this throughout all of the more films. Um, very rarely does he does he kill in cold blood with mm. a lot of guys, and that's that's kind of on purpose because like Roger Moore is a pacifist by nature. He was never comfortable with the with the whole cold blood killing thing. Yeah. So so his, yeah. So let me try out for James Bond license to kill. Right, but his his Bond tends to kill. People indirectly much more than any of the. Oh, other that's interesting. Do. So yeah, that's that's by design. It's on purpose. It's so he doesn't look nasty. Like a, I guess yeah. Yeah, like it, it's acting. Uh, right. al- also, <laughs> Timothy Dalton does not have that same. Touch. No, he does not have that. <laughs> he does not have that problem. Timothy at all. Dalton's a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> Dexter Bond, as I like to refer to him. <laughs> yes. And then and then we finally get get the nice payoff scene where where JW finally catches up to Bond as he pulls into the pier and is getting ready to arrest him when uh, when Felix informs the sheriff that uh, Bond is actually working working with them. Much much to JW Pepper's dismay. Hello Felix, what are you doing here? We'll get to that later. Kananga's in town. He's got your girl with him. They just took off. Jesus, son of a bitch, I got it. What are you? Some kind of doomsday machine, boy? Well, we got a cage strong enough to hold an animal like you here. Captain, would you enlighten the sheriff, please? Yes, sir. J.W., let me have a word with you. J.W., now this fellow's from London, England. He's an Englishman working in cooperation with our boys. A sort of secret agent. Secret agent? On whose side? We busted the filet of soul an hour ago. I mean, that scene is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> A secret agent. <laughs> oh my god! 
You some kind of doomsday machine, boy. <laughs> he had so much chew in his mouth. He could barely deliver those. He lines. actually, like, because he wanted, like, he... He knew that one of the like distinguishing characters of the Southern Sheriffs, like having that big yeah. prominent gut, he actually wore like an umpire's chest protector underneath his. Oh, shirt. really? Yeah, this guy was going for it. That's <laughs> why he got yeah, brought back. Man. Look, I you got to take your hat off to an actor who's willing to just fucking give it his all. <laughs> Good and lord! And like I said, then they would bring him back, much, much to much to all of our chagrin. So, uh, back in San Monique. We find out that uh, Bond has set some timed explosives throughout the poppy fields where the heroin is. Um, so you you would think, one would assume that if your heroin field was so important and integral to this plan you have to get super rich by being the only supplier of heroin in the United States, you might want to post a guard or seven <laughs> outside of your poppy field so that some guy couldn't just you know walk up and plant explosives all over the place to destroy it you'd think hell you might want to wall it off that could be something that would work as well nah fuck that guys <laughs> you guys like like it, it was it was far too easy for them to to destroy everything i i would say so yes so we see uh, we see Kel from Kenan and Kel come back <laughs> with back. his carnival his carnival uh, dog thing on his head, um, and he opens up a coffin full of snakes, and he's about to uh, sacrifice Solitaire, much like he did to the agent at the beginning of the film. Um, but Bond comes in just in time to uh, rescue her. He takes uh, this invention that they've never seen before called a gun <laughs> and shoots uh, uh, Keenan or Kel, whoever that is. The skin. But not one. not just not just a gun, but he is like a fucking like magnum in this fuck in this movie. Yeah. I've never very, seen Bond with a gun that much. Yeah, it was very I mean, what year did Dirty Harry come out? <sighs> it it might have been right before. Like, yeah. Actually, like I, right I feel before. like I feel like they took a lot of inspiration from like even what he's wearing, like the all black. Mm. Now, now in this one too, the part that we miss is for some reason, like they don't 71. have the snake. So, there you go. Yeah. They don't have the snake kill solitaire. At least initially, they don't. They actually this they they summon Baron Samity from the grave. <laughs> sure, they did. Like they they like they do this ritual, and and Baron Samity Baron Samity appears to come up from this grave. That's when Bond starts firing, and so. What's the fucking deal with Bear Insanity? Like, okay, one, he's playing by a known freak. I think <laughs> so <laughs> right. we already established right. that. I thought it was really weird. Like, he pops up and it's it's like, oh, there he is. Wait, no, that's uh, that's that's Clay. That's uh, but it but it's not because like when when Bond fires the first shot, it blows off like the top of the skull, and like you see the eyes. Well, they were like to look at the. Well, they were supposed to be like cameras. Is that what that is? Yeah, because when that second one comes up, uh -huh. the, the eyes are the eyes are uh, made to look like cameras. Interesting. So, yeah, I, if I recall. Um, but yeah, like when it first comes up, it's clearly a human being. Right. But then they play it up as not being real. Yes, which but that's that's where I'm perplexed because, like I said, Bond movies have never. 
clearly established like a supernatural element. No, in, in I don't think there one, is one at all. In this one, they firmly do, especially when you consider well, the how the movie ends as well. So yeah, it's very, I, it's very strange. It's, it's very just, strange. It's very, it's very it's very odd to just have that in this movie that up to this point has been played pretty much completely straight, with the exception of the terror ratings being like a legitimate thing. Yes. I, that just inspires me for a, a movie for No Time to Bleed, which is uh, marked for death. The Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> now, once the second Baron Samity comes up, Bond actually fights him one-on-one really quickly. Yes. So he uppercuts him, and he falls into the, the snake-filled coffin. Um, and then he starts humping him. <laughs> right, he starts humping exactly him. <laughs> so apparently Jeffrey Holder was, like, terrified to jump into the coffin essentially I, I don't believe him you don't think so no i think that dude i think that dude was probably getting off on it he's a fucking <laughs> so, he okay. was like these snakes they need a humping Appa- the apparently moon. the only reason that he that he did it or sucked it up to do is because the royal family happened visiting the set that day when they were filming that scene and like they were like he's such a gentleman and he's such a constant professional that he would not not do it in front of them basically Bullshit! Yeah. I know that dude likes to hump snakes, dude. <laughs> I'm calling it right now. You're gonna find out through some means that dude loves humping snakes. <laughs> <laughs> through all the uh, chaos and commotion, Bond and Solitaire escape uh, below into Kananga's lair. Uh, eventually, Kananga captures them both. Um, where did this? I can't remember. Did Bond have the short gun and Kananga took it from him? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he so they they made it a big deal about showing you the shark pellets when they, when him and Quarrel were on the ship before Bond went to the island essentially just right. to establish them. Right. Um but yeah, so Bond Bond had that. So I love how when he walks into Kananga's chamber, like his main chamber where he where they're waiting they're literally waiting for them to show up. It's filled with guards, but then, like, immediately afterwards, all that's left is Kananga and Whisper in the room, <laughs> <laughs> which would which would prove to be a detriment in just a second. Yep. As we get as we get on with the scene here, so Kananga is fascinated by uh, this golden gun that looks like the golden gun from the man with the golden gun. <laughs> um, and he and Bond explains, you know, oh, yeah, it's killing sharks. You know, you shoot them and you blow them up. It's like Katana's fatality in Mortal Kombat 2, uh, which kisses you and you blow up. Um, and Kanaka's like, oh, let me try it. And then he points the gun at Whisper. And Whisper's like, um, what? And he shoots the couch and the couch blows up. And everybody has a good laugh. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Kananga proceeds to tie them up into like a crane. He cuts, uh, he cut, he ties them up instead of just shooting them. <laughs> he, he cuts, uh, he puts them on a crane and cuts Bond's, uh, arm to draw blood because does he, he's, or does he just pour ketchup on his arm? <laughs> <laughs> ketchup via a knife because he is going to, after he spreads the ketchup on his knife uh, onto Bond, he uh, is going to lower him into a pool of sharks instead of just fucking taking that knife and gutting him <laughs> right. and being done with it. Stab <laughs> and just push him over. Right. Um, so they lower 
he begins to to lower them into the tank. Bond uses the magnet from his watch to pull the shark gun pellet to him. Bond escapes. I can't remember how he oh, got I, his restraints. Oh, I'll tell you how. Because this is the, one of the biggest problems I have with this movie. So the thing with Bond gadgets is that they're oft, of course they're often ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But the movie at least does you the common courtesy of establishing the gadget before it's actually used so that you're not completely taken off guard and you say to yourself, that's fucking ridiculously reverse engineered. They never show this saw, this circular saw watch dial. Okay, I, so this. I didn't like fall asleep. Nope, in the you movie. didn't fall asleep. It was never established. It just appears. I was like, oh, through the ma- it, through the magic of filmmaking of movie, movie James pictures. Bond has an answer to get out of these restraints. And when we talk about why gadgets are a detriment sometimes to the Bond franchise, it's this where they literally exist. It, it, where, where it's the Deus Ex Machina, where it literally exists. Solely for this one specific purpose. Yeah, like at least just show it being used one other in some time. other way, shape, or form. Right. Right. Yeah, but they they never. You don't even know that it exists until all of a sudden he presses a button on his watch and the the dial on the outer ring starts rotating like a circular saw, which he can then use to cut cut the ropes. How convenient. Yep. Man, if maybe if we had a Q scene, <laughs> yeah, you established. Right. You wouldn't even have had to have shown it working. Right. Besides him going. Well, Bond, uh, this is a uh, this is a saw and a super magnet. And, and, like, oh, and okay. by the way, like like the saw part of it, of all the things that James Bond's watch has been able to do in all of the films, is easily the most reverse engineered part. Because the only time you're ever going to use that is if you happen to be bound by your wrists, and you need with, to cut out with it. rope. With rope, exactly, <laughs> exactly. the the only The only more reverse engineered gadget that I can think of off the top of my head in a Bond film is is the the hood ornament buzzsaw in Tomorrow Never Dies. Ugh. I'd like to forget that movie. Well, too bad. You're gonna have to <laughs> you're gonna have to remember it in about a year's time. Give it to me, so. <laughs> Wait, Tomorrow Never Dies. That's the the Ice Hotel one? No, no, no. No, that's no, no, Die no. Another Day. No, that... Tomorrow Never Dies is Christmas Jones. No, no, that's not even Christmas Jones. That's uh, oh no, wait, that's, that's right. That's it's Rupert Murdoch. Michelle Yeo. Yeah, that's, oh, that's the Rupert. Murdoch I thought the movie. world is not enough is the Rupert Murdoch story. No, no, that's tomorrow never dies. Oh, right, because the news comes tomorrow. Yes. Oh, oh, yep. <laughs> Can I be on that one? Because that movie is fucking horrible. No, no, no. What's the one with Madonna? That's that's Die Another. Oh, you you should want to be on Die Another Day. Yeah, with Holly Berry and the of, fucking of the diamond mo- face guy. Of all the movies that we like, like. As you're as you're finding as we go through this, we generally are enjoying Live and Let Die despite despite its ridiculousness. Yeah. Die Another Day is going to get shit on. Just, oh. just a sneak preview. <laughs> oh, I want to be there. Mike and I saw that one in theaters together. Good. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you wasted money on that oh, piece of shit. Jesus. Yeah. I can't wait for that because we're going to get another uh, another session of Mad Brad. Oh yeah. No, that that no, that's that is that is the one Bond movie that legitimately pisses me off. <laughs> it doesn't make any so. sense. From beginning to end. Visible cars, guys. Um, <laughs> so Bond escapes via uh, Deus Ex gadget and he subdues Whis- Whisper uh, and he fights Kananga. Right, with Kananga's back turned, by the way, too. Again, here's why you have at right. least one or two other guards in the room. So that on the off chance that Bond's able to slip his restraints, someone can do something like, I don't know, shoot him. Yeah, and knock maybe, him into the water. Maybe you just have a guy who, you know, can speak in 
with without sounding like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. He was like, "Look out! Hey, like, guy's coming. <laughs> he escaped. <laughs> what? What? Anything? That guy needs a translator. <laughs> they, they need an intermediary bad guy to translate for Whisper. So, can, of course, once Bond lands and, and disposes Whisper, he he now fights Kananga, who has a knife. I have never seen a more unique knife fighting stance than Kananga busts out. <laughs> Yafin Kodo, Kodo went method on this one somehow. Yeah. I, I don't know where he learned it, but on whatever fake island he's like, from. I, like, I've never seen someone do like a crane stance while they have a knife in their hand as well as they're getting ready to swing it at him. Yeah, well, you haven't, you clearly haven't been in enough knife fights. <laughs> Apparently I, I think not. That, I think that's your downfall. <laughs> <laughs> Need to get out more there, Brad. So the two men struggle and eventually fall into the pool where the sharks are. Uh, Bond, who had used his magnet watch to grab his super powerful magnet watch to grab the metal shark pellet and no other piece of metal, um, <laughs> is able right. to jam. Right? <laughs> How was it able to pinpoint in on the thing on the well, cause, table? Because he because he aimed it with his uh, wrist towards, uh, thank the, towards you, the magnet. Well. <laughs> Uh, you, you fucking nailed it. Thanks. Good good job. He's like, I don't think that's um, true. Clear, he, clearly through the power of will, like staring really hard and aiming his wrist at it. That's how <laughs> that's how you're able to do that. That's how magic works. Well, it's, it's magnet with a, with a, a dash of telekinesis. Yeah. So. Just a sous-son. <laughs> he, um, he jams the pellet into Kananga's mouth. Kananga uh, blows up. His body uh, literally blows up and and uh, explodes like um, a balloon, leaving no guts, no bones, <laughs> no blood, no blood. Um, yeah, he didn't like his explosion was utterly ridiculous. ridiculous. I yes. was like, it, it is it is generally considered to be the most ignominious death for a Bond villain in the entire series. See, I, I can't think I can't think of a, of a more ludicrous death that any Bond villain has. Besides yeah. this, yeah, that's like a, it's like it's completely ridiculous. Uh, see, black people get treated like shit. <laughs> <laughs> they can't even give us a dignified death. Right. We get, the, we get the worst female portrayal ever. If you if you've ever if you if you guys um if you Google um Kananga balloon and look at the <laughs> image results, there's actually an image like of the blown up balloon that they use. It ju- it just looks so stupid. Like it looks so amazingly stupid. It's not oh, even funny. Well, I'm gonna Google that right now. Because <laughs> why not? Oh, this looks kind of racist. How about that? Right. Like it's it's like a shade darker. <laughs> already incredibly dark. Yafet Koto. Come on, man. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad, and and like they like when they zoom in as he gets higher up with the camera. Like oh, they, it's bad. They did that on purpose because like when they when they kept the the wide shot, it looked fucking terrible because it's a fucking balloon that they blew up. It's 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 awful. It's absolutely awful. I fucking hate the fact that that's how he has to die. Why can't you just have the fucking shark eat him? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that would be way more. I mean, I know that's probably like very cliche. But come on. I did also find his weird rubber, almost paper mache like uh disguise as Mr. Big to be hilarious. Um that that also is from the book. In the in the book they describe Mr. Big as having like being like ridiculously gray. 
like very like very ashy skinned and all over the place. Yeah, he looks like uh, he looks like Dave Chappelle playing a white guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, hey, everybody! Like, he just looks ridiculous. I don't know. To me, he looks like like a burnt up Chiwetel Ejiofor. Oh. To me, as <laughs> Mister Big. Yeah, that's not that's not inaccurate. Yeah, he just, I don't know. It looks weird. Anyway, um, the boss literally blows up. Uh, after the job is done, Felix puts Bond and Solitaire onto a train and out of the country. Um, <laughs> Fucking Felix, man. He, he is, feel, if one thing Felix always is, it is completely oblivious yeah, to no what's kid. going on. Because he, he asked Bond, he's like I, like, I don't understand why you would want to take a train when you can just take a quick plane ride. What are you going to do on a train for 16 hours? Like with you, this like, hot ass girl, like you don't know, you who, have like no you business you, being. Like, do you do you know who I am, Felix Leiter? Um, <laughs> by the way, this is the last time that we would see Felix Leiter in a Bond film uh, until the Living Daylights. Wow, really? Yeah, unless you count the bastard Bond film that uh, that happens in the early eighties. Oh, uh, what's it called? Uh, never say never again. Yeah, did ne- he uh, never? <laughs> did he die in License to Kill? No, he doesn't die in License to Kill. Huh. Okay. But funnily enough, um, when when he does, so David Hedison, who plays Felix in *License to Kill*, or I mean in *In Live and Let Die*, also plays him in *License to Kill*. It's the it's the first time that they had actually gotten an actor who had played the role before to reprise it. Mm. Until Jeffrey Wright came along, of course. So there you go. Um, he's on the train with uh, Solitaire, and uh, Teehee is there. So so Teehee stows away. To get onto the train? Why? Why couldn't he have just bought a fucking ticket and just and just boarded the train? Yeah. That doesn't why make does, any sense. Why does T he want to kill Bond? Like Well, this this is the same, like, so this I is, mean, this I is get a it. this is a Guy Hamilton staple. Um so we first saw this in Goldfinger, which Guy Hamilton directed, and then we would see it again in Diamonds of Forever, which Guy Hamilton also directed. Where after the main villain dies, there's like a little there's like a little coda on the film where Bond has to defeat the henchman as well. Yeah, like I get it, and I don't mind it in a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. I just never understand it. Now, what I don't understand is why they felt compelled to kind of dip back into the well for this one, because obviously they're they're the inspiration for this fight is the the train car fight between. Bond and Red Grant in From Russia with Love. Yeah. Which is an iconic fight. And and they would this is not the last time that they would fight have Bond fight someone in a in a in a train car either. Oh, of course not. But Teehee uh gets the drop on Bond. They have a fight. Um Bond is able to uh get Teehee's robotic arm attached to a window mm-hmm. and uh, uh can we talk? he fucking <laughs> let's <laughs> talk about how that happened exactly <laughs> so so Teehee has bond pinned up against the window with his metal arm and he's he's bringing his claw hand closer and closer and he's gonna play got your nose with bond basically <laughs> yeah and bond is able to use his mr fantastic like powers to pull a set of um, uh, not tweezers, like nail clippers. Uh, say again. I think they're like nail clippers. Yeah, like some sort of some sort of like clippers, and he's able to cut the tendons in Teehee's metal arm, 
so that they are so that the metal uh, the the claw locks down onto a piece of metal on the window. Yeah. If you're going to build a robot arm, maybe <laughs> not leave the part where the two lines that keep it opening and closing leave that totally exposed. <laughs> I found I was like that's a bad that's a terrible design flaw. So there's there's kind of a famous gaff here too. Like once he is stuck to the window, um Bond kind of takes a step back to evaluate what he's going to do when they show the shot of the window, you can clearly see the cameraman in the window's reflection. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's one of the more obvious ones that, they, that they've had in these films. <laughs> so, uh, Roger Moore, Mr. I Don't Murder People in Cold Blood, throws Teehee out of a goddamn window. <laughs> yep. Like a pacifist would. <laughs> like, he didn't kill that guy. Him smacking against the ground from a train, that's what killed him. Right. <laughs> Not his fault. Um... Uh, Bond goes back to his car, uh, where Solitaire is safe and sound, and um, we cut to the front of the train, where we see Baron Somebody uh, sitting and laughing. Um, I guess he's going to be in Live and Let Die too. Well, they had, they actually um, the reason that they had this ending. Cause I always wondered it myself. And the reason that they did it this way is because they like Jeffrey Holder so much that they wanted to just leave it open in case they wanted to bring him back for whatever they, reason. They should have. <laughs> what they should have, they should have brought uh, Baron Samadhi back and J.W. Pepper. <laughs> yes. Every single Roger Moore movie. Why not? Black so, voodoo stereotype, white racist stereotype. Yep. But yeah, the, so the only Bond film that kind of ends on a cliffhanger. Very yeah. very weird. It's the same sort of cliffhanger as um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yep, it's kind of the same. Exactly thing. correct. So, yeah. so, but that, there you go. Not bad. I enjoyed the movie. It's like I said. It's th- this is from from a quality standpoint. This is definitely one of the lesser films in my in my estimation. But it's still like most even like most bad Bond films. It's still fun to watch. Like it's it's one of those like the ridiculousness and the badness is still quite enjoyable. Yes, unlike. A die another day where it's just soul crushingly terrible <laughs> as, you, as, you, as you watch that. Yeah, that one's pretty bad. So I, I had a good time. Um, it's funny because this book, they actually, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in the book that doesn't make it into this Bond film, but makes it into other Bond films. Like like two other Bond films would borrow from the Live and Let Die book. Oh, with interesting. Stuff that goes on, which is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I like this. Um, and it's it's it is very cool that in sticking with the racist portrayal of all black people in the book that they were able to give a lot of work to a lot of actors in a high profile film that just weren't getting yeah. that at the time because most of these actors that are in this film were famous for starring in several like black exploitation films that were Yeah, I mean Yafikoto is a fucking great actor. Right. Like, he always has been, but yeah, he didn't get it. he didn't get nearly the fucking Respect that Roger Moore for some fuck all reason. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that guy's like a thespian, like a like a really professionally trained actor. So, Mister Whisper, I don't know. <laughs> I think that dude's just some black dude who talks low. And they were like to skim a job. <laughs> Somebody's cousin. Yeah, I mean, look, I loved it. So, well, there you go. That is uh, live and let die. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. And uh, the men with the golden tongues will return. In the man with the golden gun.
Say, live and let die. 